0: All right, for those of you who are wondering if I am officially like 11 months pregnant, I'm here to tell you that I'm not. I have the baby and I've been terrible about telling you about it. So today's episode is our birth story of our fourth, thank God, healthy, wonderful, beautiful child. And I want to just share that journey. Each time I have a baby, I feel so inspired by the process and I. Feel like I'm kind of born anew with this new baby, and I learned so much. Like the difference between what it was like when I had our firstborn, Jack, our son, to this most recent birth has been I feel like night and day both Michael and I have grown so much we've learned so much about birth and the experience uh, we feel more empowered and more confident in making decisions that are right for us and our family and our children so anyway I get asked a lot what was the birth experience like why did you choose a birth center Tell us about the baby. What's the name? What's the gender? All those things. So today's episode is going to share a big time behind the scenes of a birth that I've never, an experience in birth I've never had before. We are also doing something new. So if you're listening to the podcast, I'm excited to share with you because no, I, I'm i not one million months pregnant recording this episode. I am a mother of four children, four young kiddos. And if you're watching, yes, I said watching because we have officially started recording the video of these podcast episodes. We've had requests for a while now to get this up on YouTube and to put this in different spaces. So if you're watching, hey, yo, we're still figuring it out. And I'm excited to share this experience with you. It's always pretty vulnerable and a little overwhelming to share a birth story to me it's so personal it is so private it is so special and sacred but i love at the same time hearing from other moms their experiences because i feel like that's what i attribute to my own growth and just understanding of what birth can be you know given that everything's going smoothly from a health perspective what birth can be so that's the purpose of today Hey, you're listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz. This is the space where we equip overwhelmed entrepreneurs to become the confident, visionary leader their business, team, family, legacy need to win. After working with countless entrepreneurs over the last decade plus, I've noticed this theme. No matter the level of success they achieved, and I've worked with some incredibly successful business owners, they get to this point where they're asking, now what? You know, what am I being called to next? What does next look like? How do I get there? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact and you want to feel less frantic and in the weeds of your day-to-day roles and instead lead with that vision and that peace and that intention and that clarity. You want to wake up each morning with that clarity and vision and the time and the margin to do what you love in your business and in your life with your family This show is where industry leaders come to grow into their next level of achievement and purpose and impact and legacy, success in business and true legacy at home. Get ready because we both know you don't just need another strategy. It is time for your breakthrough. I think... I will kick off by telling you that anyone who says to you, uh, this is your fourth baby. It is going to be so fast. This baby's just going to fall out. You better just be like parked outside that birth center ready as soon as you have your first contraction because it's going to happen in record time. I'm here to tell you that those people although well meaning our snake oil salesmen because this was my longest labor by a long shot, so we chose uh a while back that we were gonna have this fourth birth, assuming that everything was healthy and good in a birth center. I've had three childbirths all in hospitals, and each one I feel like. I got a little more confident in myself. My husband got a little more confident. We started to understand what we wanted, what we didn't want. We started to get a little bit more just uh, empowered to make the decisions that were right for us. And there were also experiences, both good and bad, that we had in the hospitals. And some of those things are attributed just to the people we were with, both the good things and the not so good things, the doctors that we had. And some of those things are attributed just to the nature of giving birth in a hospital setting. So we were very confident that this time we wanted to give birth or I wanted to, uh, don't you love the men that are like, we wanted to give birth? No, 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 we are not giving birth. I am giving birth and you are present for that birth and a big part of that birth and that labor and I am giving birth. So when I was going to give birth and my husband was going to be accompanying me to that birth, we were headed off to a birth center and we found a team that we adored. If you are in Wisconsin and you are able to get to ALBA birth center, do it. We were an hour away. So I was a little skeptical at first. That's actually why I didn't go with this birth center. When we first moved to Wisconsin, when I was pregnant with our third baby, I was like, I'm not going to drive an hour. (laughs) Like that's scary. I I don't want to be that far away. And then I've learned to listen to my body. I've learned that, you know, if something did change or pivot, there are other options. You know, if you couldn't make it there on time, it's okay. So this time we decided we fell in love with the birth team and the whole premise behind it. And I want to start off with that. I've talked a little bit about it in different places, uh, but I think it's important to note for women who either haven't had an experience outside of a pretty traditional hospital birth or haven't had a baby yet. When you typically, when you work with a birth center and a midwife versus an OB, and I'm not knocking OBs, I've had wonderful OBs in the past, but they are trained a very specific way. And our births in the hospital felt very medical. It felt like, hey, we are the experts, meaning the doctors and their team, we're the experts that are going to come in and kind of save you from this medical situation that's happening to you. Uh, and we need to intervene. And that's why you're coming to us at this hospital. And we're going to make sure you have a healthy birth because we are here and we are going to do it for you. Now, with each birth in the hospital, I was able to articulate better to my To the team that I was working with, Hey, I want a more hands off birth. I'm having a natural birth. I'm having, uh, I'm not using any medication or any, uh, interventions unless it's absolutely necessary. I don't want to be checked constantly. I don't want to be told what position I have to be in. I don't want to be hooked up to an IV. So you have more power than you think. But in the hospital, oftentimes you feel kind of powerless because they just have a system. They have a process that they walk you through. But at the birth center, it was so wonderful to be working with a team that basically put the reins in our hands as they should be. We want their guidance. We respect their expertise because they know a lot more than my husband and I do about birth. But I know more about my body. I know more about the experience I want to have. Uh, and I am... A very much an active part and participant in my own labor. And I don't need to be saved unless I need to be saved. And most women don't. God forbid if something happened. Thank you for medical inven- interventions. I'm so grateful for what we have access to in the Western world and, and in modern civilization. But its birth is something that has been going on for quite some time, I'd say. And it is a wonderful miraculous experience even though it can be really really painful and choosing the right team that honors how you view that experience in birth i think is really important and the midwives at alba really did that their team was so wonder it was i here's what i can tell you it was literally night and day birthing in a hospital versus birthing at the birth center night and day now my my births were similar in like the baby's health, everything was good and no complications and how my body labors like that stuff was all the same, but the experience overall was night and day and even though this was spoiler alert, my longest and most painful and most challenging labor that I have yet experienced in all four, uh, it was still somehow I look at it through these rose colored glasses and I'm able to look back on that with such joy and gratitude versus the frantic feeling that I had in the hospital each time and and how I had to fight for the control that I deserved to have and I felt like I was giving up if I wasn't fighting for it I was just automatically giving up that control because that's how that's how it works in the hospital setting at least that's all I can speak a, to is my own personal experience So the other thing I will say Just as a quick tidbit about today's episode is I'm only going to share what I want to (laughs) share. That's just, there are so many pieces of it. That's why it's like I'm a couple months out from having this baby. And I'm finally putting this podcast episode together just because I valued so deeply Just the privacy and the time to connect as a family and having zero pressure on myself to share it with the world. You know what I mean? I wanted to let you guys behind the scenes, but I wasn't eager to at that point. I went off social media at the end of November and I haven't been back on yet. And it's been such a gift and such a joy because I had, instead of documenting my labor and my birth experience in this new baby, I've been just living it. I've been in it. I've been so grateful for it. I've been healing, I've been resting. I've been up all night with my baby and I am allowed to just be tired and I don't have to plan for anything when it comes to sharing it. So I'm going to share the pieces that I want to share and also since we're now recording these on video, these are a little bit more, I don't know, maybe radio radio show style where it's not gonna be perfectly curated episode. It's not gonna be hyper edited. It's just me speaking from the heart to you because I'm so grateful for this community and I'm grateful to be able to share anything that has served me or my family or my business or our lives in any way. So let's start with the, the labor story because that's the question I've gotten the most. And it was, uh, we were at my in-laws for the entire week Leading up to when I went into labor. So, we went up for Christmas and days after Christmas to stay at my in law's house with all of our extended or my husband's extended family. So, like his, I should say, his siblings and all of their children. So, there were about 20 people, no more, more than 20 people, 26 people, 25. I don't remember exactly how many we, but there were a buttload of people in one house for a week. And I'm like a million months pregnant. And my due date was what was my due date? My due date was January 10th. No, January 11th. Nope. Um, I lied to you. January 9th. That was my due date. January 9th. And on December 30th, we came. Back to our house. Because I was really starting to feel like when we were up at my in-laws, I'm like, I feel like a cat on a hot tin roof. I'm like starting to get really uncomfortable. I'm very, very tired. I'm getting a little crampy. There were a few nights where I'm like, man, could this be the night? And I'm like, I don't want to go into labor. I'm two plus, two and a half hours from my birth center. I am, uh, or an hour and 45, maybe two hours from the birth center. I am surrounded by people and I just feel like I want to be in my home and settled. When I go into labor. So we got home on the 30th. Then on New Year's Eve, we were hanging out with the kids. We didn't go, obviously, we didn't go out. We never go out, but we didn't go out. And we were home with our young kids. We were having game night. It was really fun. We had this big appetizer board. You fancy people call it a charcuterie. And we were just hanging out with the kids and having a great time. But I could feel myself probably around like 7 p.m. being like, I'm just getting that hyper nesting feeling, not just like I want to go clean my house, but nesting like I want to go retreat back into my bedroom. So I kind of stuck it out, even though I felt I just felt touchy, like any times the kids would make a loud sound or drop something, I just felt my nervous system was on in hyperdrive. So I could tell something was brewing. And we went to bed, I don't know, relatively early, like 10, 1030. And at 1230, so right after the clock struck midnight for New Year's, my water broke. And I laid in bed debating, do I wake Michael? Do I not? Because my previous birth, my water broke and my contraction started right away. And I wouldn't say she came fast by some people's standards, but for my labors, it was faster than the other two where my water would break and like contractions just wouldn't really start for quite some time. All right. I have to digress for a quick second because anytime something has been life altering for me or massively beneficial for me, I want to make sure that I share it with you guys. And I had these incredible clients, Jen and Christina, who I loved. They were, two business partners and they were in my mastermind a few years ago and I worked with them for a couple years in their business and I was helping them to grow and scale that business. But then I started to see behind the scenes of the business and the case studies and the testimonials and the work that they were doing and I could not believe it. They were literally revolutionizing how women heal after having children, whether they're a month postpartum or 40 years postpartum. So What I saw was that so many of the struggles and the pains and the annoyances and the discomfort that we face as women has just been normalized by modern Western medicine. And these two are helping women fully heal and they're doing it holistically and they're doing it from home, which is all right up my alley. So I had to try it for myself because I learned through their process that the back pain that I had been feeling and the tight hips that were really limiting me and my workouts and just sitting at my desk even... I'd been having those since our firstborn years ago, and all of that was connected to that birth. And they helped women in my mastermind who had those same frustrations of peeing every time they sneezed or couldn't jump on the trampoline with their kids because they're afraid they're going to pee themselves or pressure or pain or diastasis recti, like that separation of your abdomen or that belly pooch that literally never goes away after you have a kid. Well, it can. I didn't know it could. I was like, oh, that's just how it is when you're a mom. So they actually get to the root and they heal the problems. And it was wild to me that this wasn't common knowledge because it is simple. Like their process is so doable. So I am proudly sharing their program with you guys. It's called Tighten Your Tinkler. That's the name of their company and the name of their signature program. Jen and Christina, those are the two women who run it. They are moms. They've walked through their own healing journeys after having babies they are the sponsor of today's show, and they saved me from years of pain and discomfort, and they saved me so much money from having to try and coordinate schedules to leave the house to get hours of treatments that never seemed to actually help. So to the women listening to the show, or I guess also to the men who happen to have women in your life, trust me when I tell you that exploring their program is a no-brainer. I have learned so much about how to heal my own body, and add on to that. For the busy business owner, I'm a mom of four, I have so deeply appreciated the fact that it's inexpensive, non-invasive, and it's quick, both in time investment and in actual results. Like I notice a difference right away when I'm doing their program. They generously shared a coupon code for my listeners. So it's LUMINARY, all caps. Okay, L-U-M-I-N-A-R-Y, LUMINARY in all caps, and you just go to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash tighten your tinkler and enter that coupon code LUMINARY in all caps, and you're going to get 50% off their signature program. Listen, if I've learned anything, no one's coming to save us from what ails us. We have to be our own advocate. We have to seek out healing modalities and resources that are going to start to transform us, and I truly believe this is one of them because I've personally experienced it. So don't miss an opportunity to alleviate some of the things that the world has told you are normal. They're not. You can optimize your body. And this is a great place to start. So I laid there thinking, man, I should get him up in case this happens fast. We've got to call someone to come to the house for the kids. And then I just felt this intuition tell me, nope, stay in bed, just rest. You'll know if you got to wake them up. So I laid in bed thinking I'd be getting up soon. And ultimately I drifted back off to sleep because my contractions started, but then they really started to fade out. So I just went back to sleep. I had a good, peaceful sleep until about 5 a.m. when I woke Michael and I said, okay, you know, my water broke at 1230 and it's hysterical every time. I mean, we've been through this four times now. My water has broken all four times which I've learned is unusual. I guess that really is like 10% of labor starts with your water breaking. But like in the movies, mine broke. And uh, I woke Michael and just like each time I've told him my water broke, he doesn't panic, but he does this hysterical thing of like, what, what, oh my, stop, stop. You're lying, you're lying. What? Like he just can't process it. So once he came to... We called his mom and she was about two and a half hours away. So the last time I went into labor like that, we had to call someone local because I had to leave before that. But what I found was when I got up and I started my day, although my water had broken, my contractions were really not kicking into high gear. You know, they would come and go. They were spaced out. So I wasn't overly worried. We let my midwife, Katie, know what was up. And she's like, so chill. She's like, yep, just you'll know. Just let me know what you need. So my mother-in-law got to the house, and we just spent the day pretty normally in the morning. You know, I got up, got myself put together, made sure our bags were packed, and then just spent the morning with the kids in and out of contractions, just kind of quietly laboring. But then they'd stop for a relatively long period of time. So I was with the kids, and then we decided we were going to meal prep because we really wanted a bunch of food prepped, healthy meals. So we weren't just grabbing for junk after the baby was born. And we had ample, it's midwinter in uh, Wisconsin. So we wanted, you know, soups and stews and hearty, healthy meals. So we did a ton of meal prepping. And then Michael and my mother-in-law took over meal prep and I just kind of retreated back to the bedroom. And after talking to my midwife, I told her, Uh, you know, things aren't really, I can tell something's different this time because when my water broke with my third. Almost immediately, I felt pressure. So I knew it was going to be fast because when you feel that pressure, typically, I'm no doc. I'm just telling you what I've experienced. But when you feel that pressure, typically, it's like, okay, the baby's dropped into position. And that pressure is the baby working their way down. This time, I was feeling the pain of contractions. But I wasn't feeling that pressure that I was used to feeling at that point in the process. So she said, yeah, baby's probably not dropping into place. There could be a series of reasons. I wouldn't sweat it. There's no rush you know, with the hospital, it was interesting in previous births because I would, my water would break and then my pesky old contractions wouldn't start. And in the hospital, they're like, get to the hospital. We have to induce you immediately. Like, you know, you're going to explode if you don't get there. And so with my first, I did that because I didn't know any better. With my second, I, I don't say fought back, but I, you know, advocated for myself. And I just said, nope, I'm not coming in. I'm going to be laboring at home and try to get things started. And my doctor agreed to give me, I don't know, I think it was like eight or 10 hours at home, but he's like, I want you in by 10 hours. And so then I did, but then with my third, it just happened really fast. So I was talking to my midwife and she was giving me all these different strategies to try to get the baby moving down into the right position, including things like picture downward facing dog in yoga with your butt up in the air to kind of let the baby come off of your pelvis and then stand back up and let the baby reposition in. And nothing was really getting things consistently going. I would start contracting again, but then they would kind of stall out again. So The nice thing about working with the midwife is I didn't feel that pressure. I didn't, she wasn't like, you have to be in immediately. She just kept reassuring me, your body knows what it needs to do. It also, uh, if there's something wrong, you know, you'll know, like just listen to your intuition, listen to your gut and just pay attention, but you're okay. So one thing I did to try and get things going was I drank what they call it, I think, Labor Day tea, appropriately. So throughout my pregnancy, mostly in the second and third trimester, I would drink red raspberry leaf tea, which is a really great tea for just overall health, especially for women. But it's nice because it strengthens your uterus as you drink it. So it supposedly prepares your body for contractions and stronger contractions to help your labor. It's not going to throw you into labor if you're not anywhere near labor. You know what I mean? It's not like breaking your own water or anything like that. It's more so um, drinking this to strengthen your body. So when it is go time, it happens more, more powerfully and more helpfully for your body when your body's ready. And this labor day one is you brew 25 bags of this tea and you drink it over the course of a... Bit of time. So that's what I did over the course of an hour. And I definitely, it definitely worked. I mean, I felt my contractions kick in, but then the same thing would happen and they'd start to slow down or space out. And I also did something called the miles circuit. You can look it up on online or on YouTube or whatever. And you can follow just these different positions that you get into to try and get your body to the baby to drop down into the position that it needs to be to deliver. And None of those things worked enough so that I felt like it was time to go to the birth center. And keep in mind, I was an hour away, so I was very conscious of the time. I was like, as soon as I feel any level of pressure or consistent contractions, we're just going to go and play it safe. It's a beautiful birth center. It feels like you're at home, so there was no feeling of like, oh, I'm going to be in a hospital room. They're going to try to hook me up to an IV. There are going to be all these people around. It's like you come check into your like basically beautiful Airbnb room and you're left alone until you need what you need. You know, they, they're they very hands-off unless you want them hands-on. It's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. So one thing Katie told me to do was pump. Yes, like a breast pump because that signals to your body, like after you have the baby and you pump, that helps your body know to start to contract again to get your uterus back down and it helps with bleeding And stopping bleeding and all of that. So when you pump, I do not recommend pumping if you're not, you know, at time for labor, but it's signaling to your body to contract. That worked. So that was around, I don't know, three o'clock or something like that. And within an hour. My contractions went from, you know, super, super spaced out and mild to very, very intense, not being able to talk through them eight minutes apart, seven minutes apart, six, five, and then jumped down to two minutes apart for several contractions. And I just immediately said to Michael, Hey, we're not messing around with this. I'm not having this baby on the side of the highway. Let's go. So we kissed the kiddos. We had our stuff ready. We got on the road and about 30 minutes into our drive, the contractions were hitting in the beginning they started to space out again. And I noticed, it's so funny how our brains are conditioned, right? We have previous experience, so we hold on to that previous experience as what is true. And my previous experience was when my contractions spaced out, I felt guilty because the hospital staff almost acted a little bit frustrated or they took control. They're like, oh, your body isn't progressing or your labor has stalled or almost like, you feel almost like you did something wrong, even though you can't control it. And the I, I noticed myself feeling that. And the first thing I said when I got to the birth center was, oh, Katie, I'm so sorry. You had to come open the birth. You know, this was around like six or seven at night, six o'clock at night. You had to come open the birth center for us because I know, you know, she's leaving her kids to come help me deliver this baby. And she's like, don't you dare say sorry. This is exactly what we're here for. Your body will do what it needs to do. And we were just met with such care, and love. So the women we worked with specifically that day were Katie, who was my midwife, and Antoinette, who was a midwife in training, and she was absolutely wonderful. And the birth center was so cozy. They don't have the big, I don't know, fluorescent overhead lighting and all the machines beeping. They have, just as an FYI, they have and should have, just if you're looking for a birth center, things that are necessary if Things take a turn, right? Like things to help resuscitate the mother or the baby, God forbid, or to stop bleeding or anything like that. But it's not out like it's an automatic and it's going to happen because thankfully that's not super common. So it, you walk into this space that really does feel like a beautifully decorated Airbnb and it had a huge jacuzzi tub that was just beautiful and the, the, the bathroom doesn't feel like a hospital bathroom. It's just really nice. So I was stepping into this really quiet space and Katie put the uh different essential oils in the diffuser and I had a playlist going in the background and I'm not that Okay so just to preface like I'm people like what are your birth plan I'm like I don't know have a kid like I'm not a I didn't pick out I didn't like put together this well thought out playlist I just found a playlist on Spotify that I thought I'd enjoy or uh that wasn't too intense you know you're having a baby I don't want like jock jams playing in the background <laughs> and I um you know, I don't have this, oh, I'm going to say these mantras at this time. I just, a lot of times during labor, you just instinctively do what you've got to do. Like you can have all the plans you want and it's not, doesn't really matter. So I'm I'm just not that type. I'm not like, oh, I want these string lights hung and <laughs> I'm not judging people who do, but it's just not my jam. So I just enjoyed the setting. The other big difference that I deeply appreciated during this 36 hour later, a labor, um, was in the hospital setting once your water breaks and you're in labor, especially if your labor wasn't going to be progressing, they kind of have in the back of their heads like, oh, could this be a C-section baby? Because, you know, they're not progressing or will we have to induce or whatever. They don't want you eating so that if you did have to go into an emergency C-section, uh, you wouldn't there's not the risk of like aspirating or anything like that and having food in your system or throwing up or whatever versus when you're working with the midwives they're like you need to eat you are literally running a marathon you need sustenance and katie had told us hey bring a really hearty warm uh homey meal something that makes you feel cozy and well-filled and good sustenance and really nutrient dense. So we prepped this huge organic shepherd's pie. We made fresh homemade mashed potatoes and we had fresh veggies in it and we used our grass-fed beef from the local farm and we made this big, huge shepherd's pie and we brought it because the birth center has a full kitchen. So you can then put it in the oven and eat like a real meal. So sometimes around sometime around 11 o'clock, my contractions were coming and going, coming and going. Katie's like, it's time for some dinner. You need to eat. And we prepped a big meal. And I ate between my contractions. And it was amazing what having food in my body did for my strength. Because I was tired. You have to imagine, I didn't sleep great the night my water broke, uh, which was the morning of the 1st. Now we're all the way at the night of the first going into the second. And I, if I hadn't eaten all that time, it would have been so hard on me to try to get through those really intense contractions and all those moments in my labor. So it was really nice having dinner. And then the craziest thing happened. Katie said, Hey, if you're tired, take a nap. (laughs) And I'm like, what? I'm in labor. Shouldn't you be like yelling at me to get this baby out because you got places to be? Like that was just what I was so used to at the hospital of, oh, you're not progressing according to our standards for labor. So we're either going to induce you or rush you or whatever. And she was like, if you're tired, go to sleep. And it was such a brilliant idea. So I fell asleep and I was able to drift off. I was so exhausted. I just, I felt like at that point I had nothing left in the tank. So sleeping was such a gift. We just, Michael and I took a nap for maybe an hour and and it's a queen size bed in the room. You're not in like a hospital bed or anything. So it's really pleasant. We're able to lay together and we just drifted off. And then I was, I felt kind of in that dream state, three really intense contractions. And I woke up probably, uh, I don't know, this is not, I'm a little foggy on times. I want to say. I think I had my shepherd's pie timing wrong. I think that was more like nine o'clock and this was closer to 11 o'clock. And I awoke and I felt like my body was starting to do more, but I still didn't feel that pressure. I I was really getting frustrated because at that point I'm standing up and I was laboring in every which position. So versus just laboring in the bed, I was, I was standing, I was putting one leg up, which helps your pelvis get open and get into alignment. You know, laying on your back, it's funny. There are some things that just have always happened. It's just always been the way it is. Women laboring on their back, you're you're closing your pelvis, which makes it so much more painful and difficult and high, more likely to have an injury or whatever. And you don't have gravity working in your favor. So I tried to be standing as much as possible, but I wanted to make sure I was moving my legs in ways that Was opening my pelvis, making space for baby. But every time I was, I didn't have my heart set on a water birth or anything, but I was very open to it. I was like, oh, this would be a nice experience. I haven't had that experience and I like trying new things. And every time I got in the tub or the shower, my contractions would just slow to almost to a stop. It was like my body was too relaxed or too calm. So that's when I started pumping again. And at this point I'm exhausted. I'm in agony. <laughs> These contractions where I felt this stabbing pain in my front lower abdomen. It felt like someone was chainsawing me in half. And I've had multiple natural labors. So I know how it feels, but this one was just really next level. And I think part of that is because of all the adrenal struggles I've had over the last handful of years that have led to, you know, your nervous system is jacked up. And that's where you're sensing pain. If you're not able to get your body into parasympathetic, which is where my my system really struggles. So I'm constantly in that sympathetic state, so when something hits, it's extra painful. And it's extra difficult to relax your body. So I had to really focus on relaxing and breathing. And one of the things that has always helped me through labor, and I think this is a an old Italian way of thinking, growing up in an Italian Catholic family, We were always taught that when you experience pain or hardship or struggle, that you offer it up for somebody else, meaning you're suffering through something and it's really easy to focus on your own suffering. So this is just a good lesson in general. But when you're focusing on your own suffering, your suffering becomes magnified and you're just inwardly focused. But when you take that suffering and you use it for good and you say, I'm going to think of someone in my life who needs prayers right now, who has their own suffering. And I'm going to offer this up as a gift for them as as I'm in solitude with them. I'm I'm in lockstep with them. I'm offering this as a just it's an offering for their suffering and i'm going to pray through my suffering for that person you become outwardly focused and you're you're less focused on your own pain and agony whether it be physical or emotional or whatever and there's purpose behind it because you're in prayer so Many of my contractions, I had a list of people in mind that I know in my life really needed prayer, and it really unified me with them in my mind as I was going through those incredibly difficult contractions. Something else I would do is I would talk to my baby. And now the funny thing is, I thought I was talking to a little boy because we don't find out what we're having until the baby's here. It's such a beautiful surprise. There are so few Good surprises in life once you're in adulthood, and that's one that we cherish. So, my son Jack is like, We need a boy, we need even the power dynamics in this house. There are too many girls, we got girl chickens, and we got a girl dog, and we got a bunch of sisters. We need a boy. So, we just had in our minds this was a boy enough so that the only baby clothes I washed were Jack's. I didn't even wash any of the girls' clothes because I was like, Oh, we're having a boy. It was just so concrete in my mind. Plus, Not to toot my own horn, but I've been right every time. Every time we've had a baby, I just intuitively knew what we were having. And the funny thing is, my husband has been wrong every time. Now, this is where it got tricky. I thought it was a boy and he thought it was a boy. And if I'm right every time and he's wrong every time, we didn't know which which was going to be You know, if he was going to be right for the first time or I was going to be wrong for the first time. Well, so I would talk to my baby through these contractions of just in my mind, like we're in this together, you're moving down, baby, I'm getting closer to you. And just knowing that each contraction had so much purpose. And it's funny, sometimes we experience pain in our lives and we forget that it has purpose because it's not so easy to see the through line of that pain in that moment. Right, so you experience a loss, or let's let's talk from even not even quite as of an emotional thing as a, as a loss in your life. You have a business setback, right? Like that deal falls through. You don't immediately think, "Whoa, that that was for me. That was such a gift." Right? We often think we get frustrated, we get mad, we we focus on the pain of it, we focus on what we've lost. But when you're in labor. The pain and suffering, there's that through line in your mind. You're like, yeah, I, this sucks, but I get a baby at the end of this. So like, let's keep going. And it just felt really special to be in that struggle with my baby, you know, and I'm sure I have to, imagine. I don't remember mine, but I'd have to imagine that labor ain't easy on the kid. You know, they're going through a lot too and experience a lot of change. And I don't know, I I really hope the pain isn't bad for them, but assuming there's gotta be something for them that's unsettling, it's nice to think that you're in it together. So throughout this whole thing, I had not had any cervical checks because I didn't want them. And that's one of the perks, I'd, I'd call it a perk, of working with midwives. They don't push that. You know, if you don't want one, you don't have to have one. And I I see them as kind of a mind F sometimes because You'll get checked and they'll be like, oh, you're at three centimeters and you thought you were at like almost 10. And it just messes. So much of labor is mindset and I just know what helps me keep my mind clear. So finally, we're going through the second night now. So now it's the second of January. I thought we were going to have a first of January baby, but we didn't. Now we're into the second of January and sometime around 3.30. Katie's like, do you want to just see where things are? at? And I'm like, yes, I need to know. (laughs) And when she did her check on me, even though my water had broke the night before, it had broken, but then the baby's head had kind of plugged the rest of the break. And when she checked me, it released the remaining bag of waters and all bets were off from that moment forward. So it was go time and it was really go time. So I, sh- I shouldn't even say that. It was go time in terms of intensity. I thought my contractions were bad leading up to that point. But then for the next about four wonderful hours, <laughs> I was in the most high intensity labor I've ever experienced. I already thought I was at a level 10 in pain. And then I just 20x'd it. Now, here's the thing I have friends and peers. And just people I've read about on the internet who talk about how they breathe their baby into the world. Like they're just like, oh, I was at such peace. I was meditating. I was saying this mantra. And then I just took a breath and I just breathed the baby into the world. There was no pain. It was just pressure. Either their nerves are dead inside or they're lying, because that has never been my experience. And I do the hypnobirthing techniques. I've studied. I'm all about natural everything. I don't use any pain relief for anything. There was no breathing this baby into the world. This was four hours of like screaming like a banshee that was lit on fire in a back alley getting chased by pirates. I was a absolute hot mess. Because at that point, I'm just 100% primal. And the funny thing is, leading up to that, I kept saying, you're, you're so just ready for it to be done. I'm sorry if I'm like ruining. Don't take my story and then apply it to what will happen for you. This is just storytelling time. I don't want to take away from anybody's labor or make you think that labor is bad. I actually, I think two things can be true at once. I was in a hell a ton of pain, and it was such a beautiful experience. So there you go. I'm not saying labor was bad or horrible. I think back on it so fondly. I had less painful labors in the past, and I don't think of them as fondly because of the experience with it and where my mind was at. So there's all of that. That all can be true at once. And what I found was at this juncture, (laughs) I get to a point where I'm like, I need this to be done. So I start saying, it's time to push. And Michael responds, it's not time to push. And I nearly reached my hand out around his neck and choked him to death because I'm like, how dare you? But he was right because he's like, after the fact, he told me, he's like, Liz, I can tell where you're at in labor. I've been through this with you four times. When you're able to say it's time to push, it's not time to push. When it's time to push, you don't say anything. You literally just start screaming and pushing. And so he knew that I was just at that point where I'm like, I just need it to be done. So I'm going to say it's time to push and I'm going to try to push, but I'm not going to be able to push because it's not time. And so we were there. And then what I found was every time I went to the bathroom to go pee and sat on the toilet, that's where I had the most productive contraction, meaning I could literally feel the baby dropping, but it was the most excruciating. So what I would do is I would sit there for like one or two, maybe three contractions if I could stand it. And then I would go get up because I'm like, oh, this is too intense. And then I would go back because my midwife kept encouraging me. She's like, listen, you're making the most progress when you're sitting like that. So the more you can do it, the faster this baby's going to come. So you're in this weird pickle of, I want this to be over and I want a break. And when I do what I need to do to get this to be over, I'm not getting breaks. Because what my contractions tend to do is What's called coupling, where I no longer get a break anymore. So it's just like you're in one constant contraction for like three or four hours. So finally, I was at this point, and my midwife says, You're almost there. <laughs> and I look at her, I'm like, Katie, I feel like you guys have been telling me this for 10 hours. What is going on? And she's like, No, you really are. Just stay here. So I stayed in the bathroom, and I'm sitting. On the toilet, and she says, Okay, you're ready. And I'm like, Heck yeah, I'm ready. I could just tell. Like you just, it's amazing. The body is so innate. It was so different from four hours earlier when I was telling Michael, I'm ready. It's like worlds different. It's like if I even if I hadn't tried to push, I would have been pushing. So I'm sitting and I'm starting to push. And Katie says, Here she comes. She's coming. I or she didn't say she. She said, the baby's coming, because we didn't know what the baby was. I can see the head. And I'm sitting, and then all of a sudden Katie says, okay, stand up. And I'm like, no, I have nothing in the tank. I can't, I cannot move. I am barely surviving this moment. I'm not standing. And she's like, you have to stand up. I'm like, Katie, I can't stand up. She's like, if you don't stand up, your baby is going into the toilet. You need to stand up. And I'm like, well, then we're having a water birth because I cannot freaking move. And in that moment, my brilliant husband, scooped me up kind of under my arms behind my back and stood me up. And for the first time out of four kids, I delivered the baby standing up, which was a wild, wild experience for me anyway. But it makes sense. There was gravity working in my favor. My pelvis was able to open and immediately Kitty put her on my chest and... I'm sitting there. They sat me back down so I wasn't because you know, you start shaking all the adrenaline's coming. And I'm holding the baby for several minutes, just in awe of everything that had just happened, in awe of this beautiful baby, boy that I thought this baby was. And then Michael finally says several minutes and he's like, Well, what is it? And I'm like, Well, I don't know. I haven't looked. And I turned the baby towards him so he could see. And he says, It's a girl. And we have this hysterical video. He happened to be videoing at that time of like my reaction, which is too precious and too funny to even, I, well, that video is very personal. Obviously I was just post giving birth, but just know that it's, it's one for the record books because I was so shocked. I was absolutely shocked. So after our little girl was born, they were able to move me to the bed so that I could get comfortable and then ultimately deliver the placenta, which is some kind of cruel joke. I mean, like I know Eve ate the apple which led to pain in childbirth, but like what tomato did she eat that we then had to del- deliver another thing right after delivering a baby that just feels unfair. But everything went well and um baby was healthy and in terms of her name, which people have asked a lot about. So, assuming we were having a boy, we had a couple of boys names picked out. Michael and I have very different naming philosophies. So I grew up in a big, extended Italian and Arabic family, you know, first generation, very rooted in our heritage and our traditions from our cultures. And we just name after people in our family. Like, that's just what you do. There's no, oh, what name do I like? Or let's look at this baby book. It's like, all right, which grandparent, which great grandparent, which parent, you know, who are we naming after? And he comes from, you know, more American culture of like what names do we like or what are some strong names that we, you know, basically what names do we like? So we really battle with that. I wouldn't even say we battle. We basically just, people think we're those annoying couples when you ask someone whether pregnant when they're pregnant, oh, do you have any names picked out? And you're like, no. And- People say no because they just don't want to share them for some reason. We're not, we we really don't. We don't know because we don't even bother talking about it until the baby's born. And we usually end up naming the baby days after the baby's born. So when she was born and she was with us, I just felt God place it so strongly on my heart that we were going to name this baby after my mom. And my mom is just, if you've listened to the show, I'm sure you've heard me talk about her. So many times and we had, you know, our episode with her that we'll link in the show notes because it was uh, one of our, uh, my favorites that I've ever done, but also a fan favorite of our listeners and very powerful for business owners because she's an incredible, incredible businesswoman, but an even better mother. And my, so my mom was named after her grandmother and the name, my grandmother was from Syria and she fled Syria when she was a young girl and her name was Nadima, and that's my mom's name, Nadima. And it's always been cool growing up that I've never, my my great-grandmother had passed, so I never met her, but I I never knew another Nadima besides my mom. I mean, I'm guessing you don't either. It's not really a name that is common or really that exists, I should say, uh, in this country. And so it was just this instant like, oh, this this baby's going to be a Nadima. And thank God I've married such a wonderful man who is so open and knows how much tradition and heritage and family mean to me. So he obliged, and we named her Nadima Bell. Nadima is after my mom, like I said. And Bell is Michael. We named her Bell, B-E-L-L, so not with an E at the end like you would if you were choosing the, the name Bell because Michael's mom's maiden name is Bell. So she has a little bit of each of our mothers in her. And she also looks like more like my mom, the dark features and the, the Arabic skin tones and all of that. So it fit the bill. And what was one of my favorite parts of this birth experience was within two hours of Nadima being born, our kids were there. Uh, the rest of our children were there with us. And it was just such a a blessing and a gift and they didn't know if the baby was going to be a boy or a girl. So it was where we got to tell them and they got to see her right away. And I was still in my glow of post birth where your adrenaline is still high and your exhaustion kind of goes away temporarily (laughs) before you stop sleeping ever again. And it was just so nice to have, we could fit all of us in the bed. It was a nice big queen bed and just be together and introduce them to the baby. Now at that point when they met her, We hadn't officially named her that, so we didn't give the kids the announcement of the name at that juncture. And when we came home very soon after, so we were home about 24 hours after she was born, uh, the kids immediately gave her a sweet little nickname of Nina Bell. So she's Nina Bell, Nima Bell, and it has been such a joy thinking back on that experience, which is wild because I can't tell you enough how challenging that was. But at the same rate, it was good. It was filled with so much goodness. And it was so empowering because the ball was in our court for every decision. And what I loved, loved, loved about talking and working with ALBA, and I don't know if all birth centers are like this, but they tell you everything's informed consent. It's like, here are your options. Here's why you would or would not choose this, right? So do you want this, you know this done at your birth experience, yes or no. And then it's like, okay, well, let me list the reasons why you might consider it or why you likely don't need it. Because there are a lot of things in birth and in hospitals that are done and blanketed across everybody because it's easier and because they're in the off chance that something happens, then we've covered our bases. And that doesn't make sense for every person, for every healthy birth. So it was really nice to have the knowledge and have that shared with us as to why we probably wouldn't choose that particular option because it's not really relevant to us. It would be if we were in this situation and we're not. So that was such a gift, having that empowered, informed consent. So I was excited to share this birth story with you because it's been such a blessing and our sweet little girl has become the apple of our children's eye that was the other thing that I didn't see coming that has just cracked open my heart in ways I could have never expected with my three other children they were all born you know Jack was just like one and a half when Marie was born and Marie was not even two when Abby was born so they were all so close in age that they weren't at an age where they really totally got it or they were sad that mommy was holding the baby and not them because they were still little kids and we had multiple kids in diapers and this time you know avi was almost four our youngest was almost four when nadima was born and jack's seven and maria was soon turning six so we had three kind of older kids and I can't even, there has not been one ounce of jealousy of our attention towards the baby. They adore her. They want to hold her and nurture her. They want to just be with her. If she's crying, they can, they just sit with her. They hold her hand. Uh, they are so helpful. It's amazing. It's just, I, I'm i sure there are plenty of other mothers that listen to this. They're like, yeah, no kidding. Your kids are a little older now. They can help but I just have never experienced it. And it's been such a blessing. I mean, we're a couple months into having her in our lives. And that has been one of my, if not my favorite part, is watching our other three kids just adore their baby sister in ways I, I didn't even know kids were capable of. So I don't know why I didn't think of it, but my my brother was born when I was seven and it was and still is one of the greatest joys of my life. So I can, I guess I can understand if I think in retrospect. But I appreciate you all asking about how I've been doing. If I'm, you know, a year pregnant at this point, I'm not. Baby's here. We are all doing well. We're just living the beauty and chaos of having four little kids homeschooling, running two significant businesses. And just being in the thick of it and really loving it, truly. Like, it's just different this time. I'm not as stressed. You just have a little bit of wisdom coming into the fourth one where you're like, you know what? Everything is fleeting. Everything is temporary. This too shall pass for the hard parts, and this too shall pass for the good stuff. So enjoy it while you have it and soak it up. And I am, even those 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. wake-up calls, I'm tired and I'm cherishing also cherishing them because they are a gift for sure. Well, thanks for tuning in. More to come. And if you want to read about the full birth story, you can head on over to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash birth dash story, birth dash story. We did a blog post with pictures. So if you want more visual elements, you can head on over there. Okay, thanks for tuning in. I hope today's episode gave you what you needed. If it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next powerful episode. And I know it's so cliche to ask for a review. It always feels weird asking for one, but you guys, that makes a huge impact on the show. We read every one of them and it helps us get incredible guests to serve you. Don't be shy. I love connecting with our listeners. You can follow along on Instagram when I'm on there at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question or a guest you have for us, reach out, share your thoughts. You can connect at marketing at com, and we do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve you. Thanks for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. Tune in next week to keep building your legacy and becoming the confident visionary leader you are meant to be.